Certain factors make us human, and one of them is violence. Join me as I delve into what history can't shed in a podcast dedicated to our past, because we all have a history, and we all have one to forget. Until now, you are listening to a History of Violence podcast. that humans are capable of just about anything came for all of us at one point. For some, that moment may have come after seeing or learning about Edmund Hillary's expedition that reached the top of Mount Everest, or when Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin walked on the moon. Yet for most of us, what a human is capable of is considered and measured through violence, because what scares us is unfortunately intriguing on some level. And for me, there's more to it than just how violent we can get there's also how random. Coincidence, meaningless, however it's spun, random crimes tend to cut a little deeper. For a moment, we truly feel defeated. It's human nature to look for an explanation, says Dr. N.G. Beryl, a forensic psychologist based out of New York. Quote, if there's an interpersonal connection, there's usually a backstory with emotions people can relate to, like rage or jealousy. End quote. This need to know is real. Just look at Greek history. Personally, I feel this need to know is some kind of survival mechanism in terms of our mental health. So when a crime occurs with no apparent motive, we are left without any basis for a solution. But according to Dr. Beryl, random crimes may not be as random as we think. The motive may be obscure or not obvious, but in murder or highly aggressive behavior that results in murder, there's always motive, says Beryl. He continues, What may seem random may reflect a religious or political belief, or a state of mind that's bizarre or not reflective of reality. The following crime is brutal, senseless, and highly disturbing, but also the essence of a nightmare. This crime pokes at and enters what is dear to us, then rips it away. It takes place in one of the most astonishing parts of the country. The Appalachian Trail runs through 14 states and doesn't let up. Northbound hikers start at the top of Virginia and can reach Maine with more memories than they had ever hoped for. Before I continue, I want to relay some hiker jargon. The first is a through hiker. This particular hiker is all in, from start to finish. Then there's the section hiker. This hiker intends on traveling only a portion of the trail. Molly LaRue and Jeffrey Hood were through hikers, in for the long haul as they say, and making their mark on the Appalachian Trail. The man who would change their lives was neither a through hiker or a section hiker. On September 13, 1990, someone just like Molly and Jeff discovered them on the Appalachian Trail in the Thelma Mark shelter, lifeless. The six-month journey that only lasted a little over three was a plan for the ages. The couple were committed to the endless trail and to each other. Before the pair met, each had already extended their roots into the wilderness. Jeff, who was originally from Tennessee 
had taught rock climbing in New Mexico, while Molly had spent time in the Arizona desert doing what she did best, caring, caring. But sparks flew in Kansas. They were both working with troubled teens there, taking them out into the wilderness, when they met and became inseparable. On June 4, 1990, the journey they had wanted together began. Along the way, lifelong friends would remember the vibrance Molly and Jeff scattered all over the Appalachian Trail. One amazing writer, Earl Swift, had the opportunity to not only meet Jeff and Molly, but to be a part of the pair's journey. He recalls encountering a combined and vast knowledge of the Appalachian Trail, and a respect each had for not only their journey, but also his. Swift and others have illustrated the enthusiasm left by the couple in the figurative sense, but also the literal sense. At one shelter on the trail, Swift gracefully shares a message left by Molly in the logs, essentially summing up her and Jeff's attitude. Molly wrote, Last evening I whispered, I think there are less bugs. This morning, bring on the slugs. Over the next three months, Molly and Jeff saw beauty, and basically just did what they loved. But on September 11, 1990, only the wilderness could see the horror starting to head their way. His name was Paul, last name Cruz. The man had recently inquired about Appalachian Trail maps at a library close by. He was not a hiker, just a bad person and he was heading north on the trail, according to Appalachian Trail caretaker Karen Lutz, whose encounter near the Pennsylvania Turnpike with Cruz was one to forget. He knew nothing about Molly and Jeff, and the couple knew nothing about him. A pure chance encounter, random by all means. Then why? Why does somewhere so stunning have to be a shelter for the dark? Why did Cruz have to camp at the Thelma Mark shelter the same night Molly and Jeff did? With the small fraction I know about the young couple, which by the way is extremely potent, I feel it's safe to assume Molly and Jeff would answer me with the big, why not? These were people who cared, who were generous and understanding. It wasn't the fact that they had both worked with kids, but more about the appreciation they had for life as a whole. An appreciation Cruz took for granted in the worst possible way. On September 12, 1990, the couple met with Molly's aunt for lunch, then picked up mail before getting back on the trail. Thelma Marks was about two miles away. The same day, somewhere not far, Cruz smoked his cocaine, drank his liquor, and kept walking. He walked and walked until he met opportunity. What happened over the next 12 hours between the three is speculation, but we do know there was, of course, violence. On September 13, 1990, a fellow hiker found the couple murdered at the Thelma Mark shelter. Jeff took three bullets and Molly was tortured, raped, and stabbed. They say timing is everything, and unfortunately, it is. Cruz's violence was going to show itself one way or another. It's why he was carrying a revolver with over 40 bullets and a huge knife. His life up until the night of September 12, 1990 was full of transgressions, including murder. Florida investigators were pursuing him for the gruesome 1986 murder of a woman who was found almost decapitated only hours after offering Cruz a ride home from a bar. 
But with mass numbers and endless space came opportunity for a coward-like Cruz, opportunity to flee and hide from its past, and continue feeding his useless urge for violence. It would take hours for investigators to reach the crime scene at Thelma Marks, and what they encountered at nightfall was nothing short of pure evil. Not only did Cruz take the vibrance and life from two innocent people, he took their story. Encounters Cruz had on the trail with hikers following the murders revealed how he was claiming to have started his journey in Maine and was catching up to a fellow named Muskrat, the same Muskrat Molly and Jeff were trying to catch. Another disturbing aspect of this case is the fact that Molly and Jeff were doing this hiking thing right. They traveled as a pair, had the necessary equipment, that unlimited knowledge of their surroundings Swift referred to, and wouldn't hurt a fly. It's proof that we can't escape violence, and that even in the most beautiful of places this country has to offer, atrocity can be fresh with senseless intent. Cruz was captured eight days later on the Appalachian Trail wearing Jeff's pack and boots, and carrying both of the weapons he used to murder the couple. A determined hiker who was participating in his own manhunt for the coward actually came upon the lowlife. In court, agony prevailed, and justice was relevant. Cruz was sentenced to death, and an explanation regarding his violence never came in court proceedings. Cocaine and alcohol consumption by the defendant were attributed to the murders, and what a psychiatrist for the defense called an episode of organic aggressive syndrome by Cruz. In 2006, Cruz had his death sentence overturned and was given two life sentences with no possibility of parole. The Thelma Mark shelter on the Appalachian Trail was torn down, rebuilt, and renamed in the memory of Molly and Jeff. It's now called the Cove Mountain Shelter. So what are humans capable of? I'd say just about anything. To me, a classic crime of passion is one thing. However, to deliberately take the passion for life from virtual strangers proves there are levels to violence. For Molly and Jeff, their memories have lived on through family, friends, and people that only knew them from the Appalachian Trail, like Earl Swift or Muskrat. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to a History of Violence podcast. Please subscribe, it really helps us out, and I'll see you next time. Thank mm-hmm. you.